There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. News Talk 850 WFTL presents Joyce Kaufman, No Restraint. Here's Joyce Kaufman. I really love my job. Obviously, there's so much to talk about that on this week's No Restraint podcast, I really have to unload on a couple of different subjects. But what rises to the top of the pile and has been really haunting me for the last 48 to 72 hours is how could I be so right so often? And that's not me bragging or patting myself on the back, but that's me saying, How is it that I'm so fortunate that I can actually read the room, even if the room is the entire country? I'm so tired of having to explain to people why it is that Donald Trump continues to be elevated in the hearts and minds of American patriots. Now, obviously, the last 48 hours have been pretty significant. Well, actually, if you look at the whole week, you saw... A couple of important things happened. Once Donald Trump had won the Iowa caucus or prevailed in it, I don't know how you win a caucus, really. But once that was done, it really was pretty simple to figure out where we were going and how long it was going to take us to get there. So I'm not surprised by any of the things that have happened. Not only am I not surprised, but I laid this all out months and months, almost a year ago. I've even had to walk away from some good friends because I understand something that they don't understand. And they're smarter than me. They're a lot of things more than me. But what they're not is willing to listen to the American people. The American people know who they want. They've known who they wanted for quite some time. And the more they question whether or not Donald Trump has even a remote possibility of becoming the 47th president of the United States, since he was the 45th, well, they get tired of defending themselves and what they believe in. But they don't get tired of voting. And I think that's pretty important. One of the things that I can tell you since... Governor Nikki Haley is now in a two-person race with President Trump. You're going to hear things about Nikki Haley, which are going to make your hair stand on end. And Donald Trump does this to everybody, but he's going to go after Nikki Haley with a vengeance for a number of reasons. I often talk about his loyalty and how he wants people to be loyal to him. And that's true of anybody who served in his cabinet or even reporters. So that's a given. That's acknowledged. Nikki Haley was 
almost from the beginning of their relationship, not having it. She didn't want to become part of the Trump crowd. And yet when he appointed her ambassador to the United Nations, she rose to the occasion and did a remarkable job. Of course, the fact that she left before the job was done really tells you a lot about Nikki Haley. You see, she's the kind of person, the kind of woman who feels that her autonomy has to be proven every single day. And with Donald Trump, if you're trying to prove something day after day, you're already on a losing path. So on, I think it was Saturday, at a New Hampshire rally, which of course the media keeps telling you, oh, it was all empty, nobody was at his rallies. Well, we'll wait and see what the results are of the poll that's going on. It's actually a legitimate first primary that's taking place. Now, I'm recording this before the vote, but I know who's going to win. Everybody knows who's going to win. Governor Sununu, who has been supporting Governor Haley for quite some time, or Ambassador Haley, I don't know what she wants to be called anymore, pretty much toast, well done. But I, I see he's backtracking and not predicting this landslide win, but rather saying, well, you can't expect too much. If you're going to take on Donald Trump, we expect a lot. And that's why the one guy, Governor DeSantis, who really stood any chance of tackling Donald Trump and winning, dropped out of the race. Then at this rally on Saturday, Donald Trump pointed to an article in the Washington Examiner that basically tied the state director in New Hampshire for Governor Haley's campaign to a Biden-supporting organization that Glenn Beck once described as a dark money funneling network. That's right, Tyler Clark. Anybody ever hear of him? He was a lobbyist for the 1630 Fund, which was managed by the Arabella Advisors, which is the largest Democratic dark money network in the country and considered public enemy number one. And that's who's managing Nikki Haley's campaign in New Hampshire, perhaps everywhere. It is reported that the 1630 Fund's former leader has already been under investigation in Washington, D.C. for financial mismanagement allegations, along with a lot of other things that he's been involved with. Clark's prior clients before Nikki Haley, through this pretty strategies where he was a public and a government affairs advisor until June of last year, they're likely to cause some concerns for conservatives saying that Nikki Haley is way too rhino, way too establishment, and could cave to Democratic demands if she were to become president, as well as hire a whole boatload of personnel with close relationships to liberal activist hubs. The 1630 fund link disclosures and other filings that are listing in the uh, lobbyist name were personally signed by Clark, who was required to swear or affirm that the foregoing information is true and complete to the best of his knowledge and belief. So 
Even if you haven't heard of Arabella Advisors, you know there's dark money funneling, and you know that anonymous donors have poured money into those funds, and then it was given out hundreds of thousands of dollars to all these progressive nonprofits who were disguised as grassroots movements, which Glenn Beck disclosed uh, a while ago. Arabella Advisors manages six nonprofits that serve basically as incubators and accelerators for a range of other left-of-center nonprofits, uh, the New Venture Fund, the 6030 Fund, the Hopewell Fund, the Windward Fund, the North Fund, and the list goes on and on, the Impetus Fund. These nonprofits have collectively hosted hundreds of left-wing policy and advocacy organizations since they created this network. It kind of, they call them pop-up groups because they're not anything much more than a website. Back in November of 2021, The Atlantic, which is absolutely a liberal-leaning magazine, described the 1630 Fund as the indisputable heavyweight of Democratic dark money. Does that tell you anything? If they're giving Nikki Haley a lot of money, it's because they want her to win. And the fact that she's working with someone who's directly connected with them confirms what I guess everybody knows, or I certainly have known from the beginning. Nikki Haley is a Democratic plant. Oh, don't roll your eyes. You know, Noah was a conspiracy theorist, and then it rained. So I'll hold on to some of my beliefs, because it's going to rain. It's actually going to pour. New Hampshire voters were all asked, and I saw a couple of different programs online. I guess they were clips from Fox Network and some others, where people were being asked if they would support Donald Trump were he to be criminally found uh, guilty of any of the indictments against him. And the Trump supporters, first and foremost, almost to a person, agreed that no matter what the outcome, they're voting for him. Multiple New Hampshire supporters told the Daily Caller News Foundation at a campaign event on Sunday that they're going to support his White House bid despite any charges against him. The former president is facing four criminal indictments as he's involved in running for his second term, some of which he'll have to go to trial for ahead of the election with Joe, you know, the rematch with President Joe Biden coming up in November. Voters, almost to a person, bashed the indictments during the event. And they said they don't care, that they think that all the charges are false. He could do anything I'm voting for him, one voter said. One Trump-supporting couple also said such a conviction wouldn't change their minds. Doesn't matter. Regardless, the man said, it seems like there's two rules of law when it comes to him versus what you see going on in the Biden camp. A couple of brothers who were asked said, nothing will sway our vote. These indictments are jokes. No one gives a boop about them. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, 
who handed down the first indictment back in March of last year, alleging that the former president falsified business records when reimbursing an alleged uh, hush money payment to the porn star Stormy Daniels. Special counsel Jack Smith indicted Trump in early June for allegedly mishandling classified documents, and two months later, he issued another indictment against the former president for alleged interference in the 2020 election and even alleged involvement in the January 6th Capitol, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't an insurrection. No one has been charged with insurrection. Really, this is so ridiculous, and the voters know that. Most recently, of course, Fulton County DA Fannie Willis indicted Trump over alleged interference in Georgia's 2020 election. And then she got hit with corruption allegations. Look, I think it's pretty obvious that she's corrupt. When you use public funds to pay your alleged lover as a special prosecutor on the Trump case and go on all kinds of vacations together in spite of your marital statuses, eh, corruption might be your middle name. New Hampshire voters who are attending Trump events this week said they may be undecided on who to support in the primary. But there's no question that if Trump gets the nomination, he's getting their vote. I mean, what do we do? We vote for, in many cases, the lesser of two evils. I don't know that the whole court cases isn't some part of a witch hunt, and that's why voters are not being swayed. The federal election the federal election interference trial is set for March 4th, and Bragg's case against Trump is scheduled for a March 25th trial. Smith's classified documents case is scheduled to go to trial on May 20th, and Fannie Willis has been pushing for an August 5th date for the Georgia case. How does this not qualify as election interference when he is obviously the nominee? The former president overwhelmingly won the Iowa caucus. I mean, we haven't seen numbers like that in ever. It was the best numbers ever. Vivek Ramaswamy left. Now Ron DeSantis is gone. Asa Hutchinson, he's gone. They're all gone. Tim Scott got engaged. Congratulations, Tim. Because, of course, that does help you on the VP shortlist because everybody wondered why he hadn't been married. But nonetheless, you're watching everyone fall in line. I mean, Ron DeSantis went right out and said, I'm going to support Donald Trump. And he said, I understand that's who the voters want. So which part of that's who the voters want is anybody still having a tough time with? Because Donald Trump ran away with it in Iowa. I predict he'll win handily in New Hampshire. And that's it. Everything that the rhinos have thrown at him will fail again. As for the other candidates, just think about it. They're all going to endorse Donald Trump, and they're all angling for cabinet positions. I don't know about VP, but certainly there's some good contenders for some of these cabinet positions. I definitely put Vivek Ramaswamy in some kind of a business capacity. The probable nominee, Donald Trump, is definitely a favorite to be the next president. Whether or not you like him, 
whether or not you're tired of the chaos that Nikki Haley says surrounds him, there is something that you're not tired of, and that is fighting the machine. After almost a decade of soul-searching about the same issue, the media has finally settled on a way to cover Donald Trump. Don't, or at least don't broadcast him, and then loudly explain that you have zero curiosity about him or his appeal, chalking it up to those people who love fascism. CNN and MSNBC, they opted not to air Trump's victory speech in Iowa. MSNBC's uh, queen of the airwaves, Rachel Madcow, told viewers that the move was not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. Come on, you couldn't be any happier. Who are you kidding, Rachel? Anyway, she explained, there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. That is a fundamental truth of our business. I always find it hysterical when the biggest liars around start talking about who's telling the truth. The cable news business really is in bad shape. Ratings have collapsed. The median viewer is now so old they could run for president. Mad Cow, you'll recall, spent the Trump years acting like the hero of a Cold War thriller. Nightly, we were told that the whole house of cards was about to come tumbling down. She and her team were only days away from exposing the whole Russiagate conspiracy. And then it all turned out to be a nothing burger. And Mad Cow moved on like nothing ever happened. One fantasy MSNBC and others are especially uh, wedded to is the idea that they still matter. The decision not to air Trump's speeches is ultimately a marketing move, and it's designed to convince you that the show you're watching is more important. And of course, all of this is good for Donald Trump. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. He can cast himself as a bad boy, anti-hero, being targeted by some of the most hated institutions in America. Sure enough, Trump responded by saying he thought CNN and MSNBC should have their broadcasting licenses revoked. It's a win-win for both sides and a big L for the voters. So that's just my take on something that I'm truly tired of having to explain. Donald Trump is the one person that every voter, whether they like him or not, whether they're Republican or independent or even Democrat, he's the only candidate who gladly gives a middle finger to members of the media and members of the party elites. And for that, the American people love him. Which part of this is so difficult for them to understand? It's like, well, look at this. You know, the Houthis? Yeah, you know, the guys that are attacking 
defenseless civilian shipping crews out there in the Red Sea? Well, it turns out they're terrorists. Even though the Biden administration had said they weren't terrorists, they now have reclassified them as terrorists. Look, you don't need to have a PhD in the history of Islamist violence, but the Houthis has been giving off pretty major terrorist vibes for quite some time now. The whole, you know, murdering civilians and firing AK-47s into the air whenever you're celebrating things, those are big red flags in my book. And speaking of red flags, Hassan Piker, who is basically the Howard Zinn if he had a Twitch stream and a pull-up bar, hosted an interview with a 19-year-old Houthi pirate who had captured the internet for being a totally hot freedom fighter, an OEF, for sharing videos of himself aboard hijacked cargo ships whose crews have been taken hostage. 20,000 people watched live, and it was incredible. Piker shot hardballs at the pirate through a translator. You know, questions like, do you feel like you lost out on years of your childhood? Or, we love you too. He didn't have time to ask about Iran's funding of the Houthi drone and missile attacks. Here's an Instagram reel from the teen pirate, which reads, do you threaten us with what we are waiting for, son of a Jew? Oh my goodness. But they needed to be reclassified as terrorists. So with the New Hampshire primary either just having happened by the time you hear this podcast, Biden's primary challenger, Dean Phillips, is throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. Oh, that's right. You didn't realize there actually was a challenger in the Democratic primary, did you? He's showing off his ice skating skills. He's running ads featuring Bigfoot. He's munching on donuts. He's floating the idea of cabinet posts for Elon Musk and Bill Ackman. We like you, Dean. You seem like a good dude. And taking on Biden and the DNC machine is a brave move. You could have chosen a quiet life as an ice cream magnate, and instead you're trying to save us from the rematch from hell. One idea. Have you considered offering the president a lifetime supply of ice cream if he announces he's dropping out? It would likely only be a few cases. How much of a lifetime does he have left? America's richest wife guy, Bill Ackman, has pledged on yet another ex-thread that he intends to file a lawsuit against Business Insider. The publication has been controversially trying to nab his wife for plagiarism as punishment for being married to Ackman, who has been also controversially trying to nab the presidents of Harvard, MIT, and Penn for anti-Semitism and plagiarism. Plagiarism will do. As the media world comes now for his wife, with every investigative reporter suddenly assigned to Nexi Oxman for normal, non-retributive <laughs> reasons, well, Ackman is losing his cool. Or maybe it's that he's just wearing his heart on his sleeve, like in The Post, which he said probably should have stayed inside the bedroom. Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, well, 
He exited the race after getting, hold on to your hats, 191 votes in Iowa. As far as I can remember from the early debates, Asa Hutchinson seems like a decent guy. He ran as a mild-mannered Trump critic. You know, think Chris Christie without the New Jersey directness. And so it was a little odd to see the DNC send out a snarky press release that read, this news comes as a shock to those of us who could have sworn he had already dropped out. Things escalated quickly after that, after some of the we're better than this self-flagellation on the part of Democrats, White House Chief of Staff Jeff Zients called Hutchinson to apologize, and Biden's press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, made Hutchinson sound like Abraham Lincoln when she said in a briefing that President Biden has deep respect for Governor Hutchinson and admires the race that he ran, also that the president knows him to be a man of principle. Was the DNC statement a little below the belt? Yeah. Does this feel like a bit of an overcorrection? Also, yeah. So what can I tell you? I keep looking day after day at the protesters, these pro-Palestinian protesters, because don't kid yourself, this is no longer about Hamas. Palestine is a country not divided. We may be divided, but they're not. And what you do see is that they don't care whose way they get into when it comes to these protests. These anti-Israeli protesters gathered outside of Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center with these guys screaming shame at the hospital, which apparently is a complicit institution, not only in eradicating tumors from early stage rectal cancer, but also in genocide. Make sure they hear you. They're in the windows, the leader instructed. You see, the evil cancer hospital accepted $400 million in donations from Ken Griffin, who is, of course, a noted Jewish philanthropist. As the organizer, Nerdine Kiswani, helpfully put it, our medical institutions are not innocent bystanders, and neither are our medical patients. If you're serious about helping Gazans, you better get in there and start cutting some cords. This is really dark stuff, but we have to deal with it, don't we? Now, of course, the National Guard and the Border Patrol are facing off in Texas, and things are continuing to bubble over at the southern border, where the Texas National Guard stepped in to try and curb the flow of immigrants streaming in. In certain cases, the state troops have blocked federal Border Patrol agents from accessing parts of the border. The Texas National Guard is a lot more hardcore than Biden's border agents. Ooh, they use barbed wire and riot shields, and they answer to Governor Abbott, who is determined to crack down on illegal border crossings and has bussed over 100,000 migrants to Democratic-run sanctuary cities like Chicago. The administration brought the problem to the Supreme Court this week, requesting access to a 50-acre stretch of public park that the National Guard had taken over and barred the Border Patrol from. And then there's the drownings. Where's our borders are? Oh, yeah, she's talking about Trump with the harpies on The View. 
So there's a lot to digest, and there's a lot more coming our way. If one of the things that you're concerned about is the aftermath of the election in 2024 this year, you ought to be concerned. There's going to be some serious problems right after the election. Doesn't matter which side wins, the other side is going to wreak havoc. Well, I thank you for listening. And as always, don't forget to recommend it to friends and the next No Restraint podcast will be out before you know it. May God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. The Joyce Kaufman podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.